Your knees are so much nicer than mine. <laughs> Who's that on them? It's George Washington. Who's he? It's, it's Abraham Lincoln. I don't know. I know. Who is he? Abraham Lincoln on your knees. It's, well, six dollars. It's a left knee. Oh. So it makes sense, kind of. Are you really? Yeah, we're sense. going. Um, sense. Who, who, in, <laughs> who with any sense would have presidents of the United States tattooed on their knees? Excuse me, I'm eating this. No, you have your bicky. I have a, I have, I think I have a, the Queen on my back somewhere, and Benjamin Franklin. Well, I had a, um, a 50-pound note made in, it's like um, Urban L.A. thing. Uh, where I had a, it made into a rose, a 50-pound note made into a rose. Wow. So there's someone back somewhere. And Benjamin Franklin, $100 bills on my back somewhere. Wow. So I just, um, who should I get on my she, She's body? covered in old men. Yeah. Mm. Old, uh, old it's, historical it is a, it is a country. It is a country for old men. <laughs> but uh, yeah, maybe a, wait, a Cornelius Cardew, <laughs> maybe or something. Oliver Cromwell. Oliver Did Cromwell. <laughs> mm, yeah. That would be good. Oh, that would be good, wouldn't it? Um, That'd be cool. Who else would you have? Uh, Joseph Conrad? On your knees. Oh, okay. Really interesting. Okay, yeah, that's a good Great idea. Authors. Mm-hmm. Great authors. Great mm-hmm. authors. I think that's a good idea. I'll as, do as it. As opposed to past presidents. And um, or I could get you. I could get you. Um, you there's space for you up here. There, We're up there here. Is. That's very she, true. Would you like there the is, left there knee? There is a guy in the UK who's a um, a big fan of mine who has a life size uh, portrait of my my face on his upper thigh, mm. and uh, we'll drop trail backstage to show people. And the sad thing is that when he had it done 15 years ago uh, on the, uh, the tattoo, I was smiling. Uh-huh. Now I'm sort of frowning. No. I'm afraid, yeah, it's kind of gone. <laughs> it's kind age of gone. and gravity has taken over. As always, yeah. And just major. Well, plus with age, it's probably you've got more concern. Well, no, it's really, I think as you get older, you be, you, you, it's grumpy resting face, isn't it? Mm-hmm. For men, not mm-hmm. bitchy resting face, but grumpy resting face. You know, you're sitting on the tube thinking you're just sitting there but people looking around saying look at that grumpy old sod over there look at him <laughs> i do have a, a grumpy face but i reserve that for reading the newspaper oh. so nobody comes and asks me anything while i'm and you're behind with the news you're high you're behind the paper or uh, unless you read it if someone comes to me I'll, on your no, ipad but generally i have it i no, I, I i'm old school so i like to read it off bits of paper it's oh the, it's in the name yeah. news paper yes you know so i actually get up every morning um go down to the, the gas station at the bottom of the hill, get the paper, and um, bring it up and sit there and have a, you know, a, a sort of half hour, just wade through the, the, the news before I start the day, and then um, pick it up again around lunchtime, have another bit, and then usually by tea time, uh, it's just the editorials and the letters page and the obituaries, and I'm done. That's good. Just to make sure you're not in there. Well, that, in the that, obituaries, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That, yeah, and it's when people you know are in there. That's really, really disturbing. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I, I, that's, that's a big part of my day. And I have, a, I have a grumpy face as people don't come and talk to me while I'm reading the paper, you know. So that's something I've worked on over the years. It's not so much a scowl. It's more a kind of a, I'm reading the paper. Look, what do you think I'm doing? <laughs> I'm here waiting for asking the questions. <laughs> huh? Mm-hmm. Is there a publication that you, what is it? What is there in England? Which which ones do you read? The Guardian. The Guardian the newspaper I read. Yeah, yeah which mm-hmm. is the sort of like the, the left of centre newspaper, mm-hmm. and it just has more info. It's a really good newspaper. It's, it's it covers a lot more things. I've tried other newspapers on when I'm on the train or something, and, but they just don't have the coverage of the Guardian, and they have a quick, pretty good website as well. That's good. And then I subscribe to some old geezer magazines. Oh, what do you subscribe to? Um, I subscribe to a magazine called uh, British Archaeology. Oh. Who, it's a special magazine for people who dig holes in the ground. And uh, you know <laughs> what you might find, obviously, in your back garden. Richard uh, 
Didn't they find Richard in Richard a parking III. lot? King Richard III under a car park, a municipal car park in uh, Leicester, oh. which is close to where he died at the Battle of Bosworth. But um, it's there's now a big war breaking out about where they should rebury him, whether they should rebury him in Leicester, which is where they found him. Obviously not in a car park, but somewhere a bit more civil. Or back to York, where he come from. So, was there a centerfold in the uh, British Archaeology magazine? Was there was there like a, a whole thing about it. Every, you know, there he was in the ground in the car park. I mean, why you'd bury a king under a car park? Mm. How'd they know he was there, or did they just find? Were they digging up and they found him? Huh? Did they know he was there, or were they just digging and they found? Well, somebody? what they did. I mean, it's, no, it's weirder than that. They worked out where the abbey used to be. Basically, what happened is, oh, he, yeah. he died in in fourteen eighty three at about the Bosworth. And then uh, Oliver Cromwell, who you don't have tattooed on your, on your body, one of the few people you haven't tattooed on your body, um, <laughs> him and his mates decided um, they were going to get rid of all them old buildings and they knocked them around a bit. And the Reformation, you know, Henry VIII, um, you know, they, they pulled a lot of that stuff down. So the building had gone, but they worked out where it would have been and where the altar would have been. And they kind of had a dig around there and they found a few bodies and one of them, Fit, really? the, fit the bill weirdly. Mm. Yeah. And so it's just in a in a what a Sainsbury's or something in the parking lot? I think it was the back of the a town hall car park. I think it was the car park for the municipal oh. buildings. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. And then by DNA, they were DNA'd some of his ancestors, although to tell you the truth, I shouldn't everybody who came to the in store today is probably related in some ways to right. everybody who was alive in fourteen eighty three, if mm-hmm. you do the math. Right, right. You know, so we were all on both sides at the Battle of Hastings, you know, so it's not a big deal. But they found some of his direct relatives and, um, you know, stuck a thing me up and had a look at it and <laughs> done the DNA. You know how it works. Done yeah. the DNA and uh, proved that he was related to them. Like I said, he's probably related to all of us right. yeah. in some ways. That's incredible. That's incredible. Well, yeah. you had a very successful in-store. We, I, you know, we should introduce you first. Oh, um, yeah. Well, I'm Margaret Cho. You're listening to Monsters of Talk. Oh, I'm here with my... Margaret Cho. I am. And I'm, I am uh, here with my co-host. I'm uh, Jim Short. Jim, um, who, are, who have we been? Did We just did a cold open. Who's here today? We're this here with uh, our second visit with our, with our mate. Yeah. We're mates now. We are. And our, 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 uh, our great like, inspiration, the wonderful Billy Bragg. <laughs> yes, we just saw a great show with you and Wayne Kramer yeah. for Jail Guitar Doors, Amen. which is going to be a great uh, show tomorrow, too. Um, and we'll know, actually, we'll play this out of sequence. So it'll be at the John Anson Ford. It would have been amazing. It was amazing. And we want to go, but we have to do a show in Las Vegas. Yeah, that's always a way, isn't it? It's quite, it's quite yeah. far. Someone says to you, Come along and raise some money for a load of old lags. Sorry, I've got a show in Las Vegas. <laughs> Are you both dancers or is it just you, Margaret, with Me. your lovely tattooed knees? I mean, we're both, we're both be, we'll be uh, doing a kick line. I love that. And that hits the knees. That makes, now it's time to make sense. Who have you got on your knees, man? I've just got uh, yeah, scars of age. Yeah, I love scar. Me too. Yeah. But we wish that we could go. And you just did beautiful, beautiful performance. I think I've seen you at in-stores at like Tower Records yeah. before. and so. Poor old Tower Records, eh? It's a wonderful thing to see you in an in-store. Yeah. But that's you were talking about that. There's so few places. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing too. Record stores. Yeah. Record. I mean, even that dates you when you know. When you, I say I still call them record stores. Yeah, me too. I still remember when you could go into a place, and this is when I was very young, and and they would put the vinyl album on a player, and you yeah. sit in a room with I the know. headphones on. I saw first Bob Dylan. 
first right? time I heard Bob Dylan, yeah, I, I used to work in a, uh, a a record store that was in the basement of a hardware store, and I was a Saturday boy. I worked there on a Saturday in a hardware store, selling people nails and wallpaper. And I used to have my spend my lunch hour downstairs in an actual little booth. We actually sat in and shut the door, and they played the music in there. And I was kind of just always listening to Simon and Garfunkel, and they said, you should check this guy out, the older guys at the record store. Check out this guy. And it blew my mind. It was like uh, Mr. Tambourine Man. And that's how I got into... So those things are absolutely crucial. Yeah, yeah. But was the thing about the thing about um, record stores is you you don't have the sort of joy of discovery. I think the the internet, Spotify, and those kind of things they tend to sort of send you in the direction of something you'll like. You don't mm. have a moment where you someone just happens to mention a jazz beatbox guitar player you've never heard of, as Wayne just did, Wayne Kramer, yeah. while we were looking there, and you think, oh, I'd like to check that out. So that that's the thing that worries me. Without record stores, you don't have that. That moment, because it's my theory, and it's a pet theory of mine, is that when music gets really, really boring, the way forward is sometimes to be discovered in the back of the rack in the cheapo, cheapo rack at your record store. That's what mm. the Ramones did in, in, in 1975. They went back to basics, and at the same time, Dr. Feelgood did in the UK. And music was able to renew itself by going back to basics and moving away from uh, overblown stadium shows. Right. And I think, you know, if, if you can't find that music, if you don't know that kind of stuff right you know it's hard to find your way away from you know what's and you know particularly now that pop music is pretty ubiquitous compared to how it was when i was starting out when it was still belonged to us before it belonged to everybody in the car companies and the you know. right so I, I you know i do wonder that it's all getting a bit homogenized music and a shop like amoeba which is where we've just done our install. Um, it's so eclectic, Dan. There's so much amazing stuff going on down there. I just went and had a look at their folk music section. It was just massive. You know, and there was stuff there that I... It's I, unbelievable. I, yeah, I haven't seen for years. Sandy Denny solo albums and uh, a load of Tim Hardin stuff, mm -hmm. which, yeah. again, it's difficult to find these days. So, you know, it's... I, I, I think the thing about physical records is they're still there. Yeah. Whereas the focus of the internet moves. Because it's not there. It's ethereal, really. Mm -hmm. It's not physically there. And its focus moves with, with us, with the generation. Whereas the, the jazz records that our, our, our predecessors loved, was Wayne Quamer was talking about earlier when we were discussing what stuff we bought. He bought almost all bebop jazz music from before uh, the British invasion, which is what he was into. Right. That music is still physically there downstairs. Yes. It's not going to be physically out on the internet. The focus at the moment... It, it may sound strange to people listening because it seems like everything's on the internet, but it will move. It's a generation thing. There'll be a baby boom bulge that moves through and there'll be an internet bulge that moves through before YouTube and Spotify dissipate into different genres as they clearly will because that's what pop music did. Mm. It became blues, it became folk, it became soul, it became you know, lots of compartmental capitalism will do that to it. But it won't physically be there. You won't be able to go back and find pieces of 12-inch vinyl yeah. with the grooves that were, what were printed, pressed in the 50s and you can still access that it'll disappear people will have too much you know won't have enough room on their uh, uh, thing on the internet where everything lives the cloud or thank the, you yeah. um, or the cloud will one day the cloud will burst yeah you know or, or something it's not physically there folks it's not physically there <laughs> well, yeah but, but it is it's, it's just it's, it's almost like a dream yeah. Like all your music yeah. and all your stuff yeah. is there. I love, I mean, I, st I still, uh, you know, the, the albums I went and bought this year, I definitely bought yours. Thank you. Um, because I, I got a, I've got all the others. I can't just get a download. No. Well, I did. I bought that um, Valerie June record, which I really love, which I think is the album of the year. 
as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Um, and it just doesn't tell you who wrote the songs. I don't know if she wrote them or someone else wrote them. And I can't find out on the internet unless I buy the physical CD. I'm going to... Well, there's something important too to the sequencing of like, you know, you put your album together. Yeah. This, mm-hmm. is, this is the order you wanted somebody yeah. to hear it. Yeah. And I feel like the first time I listened to it, I got to listen to it that way. But I also like to look at the pictures and, you know, who did, who did the cover art. Yeah. And it's yeah. interesting to me. But, and but, you don't yeah. get that anymore. But the other thing is that um, now that you've got it all on your computer... That computer dies, or you get rid of that computer, that the obscure stuff that you're not into anymore disappears. Yeah. With vinyl or CDs, more so with vinyl because vinyl has a longer history, it stretches back to the 40s. The physical nature of it means that even if you don't want it anymore, someone else is going to want it physically. I mean, I was walking up here, there was a, a Robert Mitchum album down there from a soundtrack of some obscure moody up movie I've never heard of him sitting on the cover with an acoustic guitar playing I would love to hear that record that would be brilliant I would Robert, love Mitchum. To hear that record. Robert Mitchum yeah it's in a glass case now so it must be 50 bucks or something but how point, amazing my point is that, that because it was physical it has survived it's tangible and ultimately right. if it was only a, an internet thing if it was a Mimi an internet Mimi yeah it, it may not. I have a, a vinyl of talking with the taxman about poetry, and it was in that sometimes when you got records from England, it would get real thick plastic. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And it was That's really, why. really thick. Because we want more value for money. Deeper grooves. <laughs> really deeper grooves. It's you really know, deep. Value for money. You can play it's with your really great. <laughs> I blew my son's mind actually very early on when he was probably about 10 or 11, talking about music, when I, I, I did something with. Uh, a Ramones single. Mm-hmm. I got a, uh, a, a milk carton and put a pin through the bottom of the milk carton, empty milk carton, spanned the single on my finger and put the needle on. I said, listen to the milk carton and the Ramones song came out because it will do that because the needle will pick up. And he heard, he heard it. I said, this is, I said, this is, this is why vinyl is, is still going to be here after, you know, mm-hmm. everything. It's still going to be playable. It'll be crackly and everything but you're, your MP3s will degrade. It's magic. That's true. It's yes. magic. You know? It's magic. But it's actually physically there. It's not. It's that word again. It's not intangible. It's actually physically in the grooves. Whatever they said and did is actually there. It's imprinted it's in it. Yeah. It's free. It's not just some digital Ones numbers. It's really fantastic. Yeah. It's really so fantastic. It's weird. Well, I loved all your selections, and I learned a lot, and I want to listen to everything that you got. And I, I think it's it's incredible to be able to come here and just, you know, look at all the things yeah. that, you know, you can, the, the possibilities. It is. I mean, some of the stuff, the very nice people at Amoeba, uh, as part of their thing, they give you a bag, and you go around and collect things, and then talk about it online. And... Um, you know, there's stuff that they, they had there, uh, uh, a movie called Bye Bye Birdie, which is mm-hmm. a, a movie from the either late really 50s cool. or early 60s, with starring Anne Margaret, one of the mm-hmm. first rock and roll movies, which I've read about and heard about, but I've never seen. Mm-hmm. And there it is in the racks for like, you know, 17 bucks. So that's the great thing of discovery in record shops. Well, you're buying you know. history too. Yeah. But someone's, you know, someone's put it out there uh, and sooner or later it, it gets found. And the, the demise of record stores, I think, is is going to be a sad part of our culture because a, a nation isn't really so much borders. It's a culture. A nation really is a culture. Right. You know, it's it exists true. in that sense, how it manifests itself. And, and Bye Bye Birdie comes from that period before the Beatles came, before the British invasion, mm-hmm. you know, where, where it's almost prehistory now yeah. Yeah. to our culture. And I'm, I've always been fascinated by that period in, in my country as well because... Before the Beatles, there was a thing called Skiffle. Yes. And Skiffle was kind of like English teenagers playing American folk music. It's kind of like 
it's almost like we invented Americana. Right. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. Right. We were listening to a lot of pre-war stuff. It really hit over there, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, huge. I mean, basically, um, there, there was a kind of jazz um, boom in the 40s and 50s. But what happened was people wanted to know, the, the jazzers were young, very enthusiastic, but they were kind of like musicologists. Mm -hmm. You couldn't buy a lot of their records in, in the UK. You had to know someone who worked on, the, a lot of people knew people who worked on the transatlantic liners would get and people to bring buy them in New York. Yeah. albums back, right? Exactly, yeah. Uh, but they wanted to know where it came from, and eventually they discovered Lead Belly and people like that. Mm -hmm. So they would, in their jazz gigs, they would have a breakdown, and they would say, this is where it comes from. They'd play these little three-chord songs. And the three-chord song theme beca eventually became more popular than... Uh, the jazz and the jazz has got fed up with it but other kids picked up this skiffle thing right and mm -hmm. a guy named Lonnie Donegan had a hit with a song called Rock Island Line which is an old Lead Belly song mm -hmm. and it kicked off this kind of craze like hula hoops right. where every kid wanted a this is like uh, late 50s mm. that everybody was in a skiff because everybody that was in rock and roll in the 60s 70s from the, the UK was in a skiffle band like you, that, you've ever seen that footage of Jimmy Page when yeah. he's like yeah. 11 yeah, and yeah. he's playing skiffle yeah. on TV yeah. with somebody yeah, everyone that, did that you know uh, there was a Lonnie Donegan club Lonnie Donegan would put out a record and you would be in the club and you would get together with other people and they'd teach you how to play the song they'd teach you the three chords how to play the song there was one at the Cavern in Liverpool that's where George Harrison met Paul McCartney yeah and then McCartney meets Lennon when Lennon's skiffle band the Quarrymen are playing in Easter 1957. Church fame. Mm. You know, uh, Jimmy Page was skiffle. Ian McLagan, keyboard player from the Faces, had a skiffle guitar. But the, thing, the real crucial thing about this is, by the time Chuck Berry turns up, playing guitar like a ring and a bell, a load of 15-year-old kids in the UK can already play the three chords on the guitar that you need to play his entire catalogue. So they all form rock and roll bands. Right. And that is the basis of the British invasion. Mm. The kids in the UK are already two or three years ahead of the curve in being able to play things yeah. than, than kids in the US. There, there hasn't been that craze for playing music, getting up and play. You know, then you add Hamburg to that, sharpens them up, and that's the key to the British invasion is in Skiffle. And Skiffle, the, mm -hmm. the, 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 the font of Skiffle is New Orleans, jazz, Lead Belly, Woody, what, what we now refer to as the roots of Americana. Right. Mm. So that, that whole period of time before rock and roll broke, there's so many weird count, uh, uh, multicultural things going on there. Music. But was Skiffle back. in America too? No, Did it ever come no, here? No, no, it didn't at all. It was. I mean, the word Skiffle originates in jazz, and it's a word for a sort of pickup band. Mm -hmm. But it's very, very obscure. Very, very few people used it. Very few people heard it. But the the jazz kids needed a word for this breakdown thing they did. Mm. So someone someone used this word Skiffle. But it was absolutely enormous. I mean, it really wow. was. Um, it really took over. I mean, it really, few, really kicked it all off. Very few people in the 60s played, didn't play skiffle. And it had huge influence. Not only did it give us the, the, the beat bands, it gave us the whole blues thing, Fleetwood Mac and all that kind of stuff. But also all the folk guys learned there. You know, Martin yeah. Carthy and all those guys, the people that Bob Dylan and, and Paul Simon came over and learned songs from. Right. Mm -hmm. All goes back to skiffle. You know, Martin Carthy told me he bought Heartbreak Hotel and Rock Island Line the same day. Why was there such a Crazy, huh? such a uh, the 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 purest though, and especially in the because it happened in the mm. states, but in the UK, um, when Dylan went on that '66 tour mm. with the band, yeah. which was half acoustic, yeah, and there was such you know you know this mm -hmm. like there was such like um, it was almost like you have to go there and yeah. boo him 
yeah. and be against <laughs> it. Well, but they were such purists that they, they the idea of him with an electric guitar was yeah. so. But then you listen back to those recordings, and they're so amazing. It's they it's are. some of the greatest but, rock but and at roll. At the time, at the time in the UK, Dylan was perceived to be the alternative to Elvis and pop, and yeah. rock and roll and electric guitars. So he had a purity and a. a, a a set of principles and ethic that was against that. So if you wanted to be hip and indie, in inverted commas, you'd be into Dylan. So when he turns up with an electric guitar and plays rock and roll, it's like he's gone over to the other side. He's, right. like he's playing but Justin Bieber. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, At that time, it's oh, the yeah. same mindset. Yeah. 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 Like you go, he's having a yeah. wee in a mop. Yeah, exactly. In, a, in, a, in, a, in yeah. the mop bin. Yeah. yeah. It'll it it, it, yeah. it be like, you know, that you, uh, you go to see, um, uh, you know, Bon Iver, and he's... Um, He's uh, twerking, you know. It's like, <laughs> you'd be like, wait a minute, that's not right. It's not no, right. It's not, it's not right. For. I'm not come for the twerk. I'm, I'm here for the anti-twerk. And, but you, know. you, you never, so. now you've never, did you turn down a chance to meet Bob? Dylan? Yeah. Oh, I, uh, the one time it, it, I was anywhere near Bob Dylan, yeah, I was with, I was with um, the drum rider at the time was uh, uh, going out with Chrissy Hind. Oh, wow. And Chrissy, Prince Charles told me never to drop names, but I thought I'd just drop in there. Um, Chrissy Hines. Uh, <laughs> Prince, I'm sorry, Prince who? Uh, Prince <laughs> Charles told me never to drop names, yeah. Um, but Chaz. Yes, yeah, I Chaz. Him, yeah. Chaz. Tell him I said hello. Yeah, I thought I will. Um, and we went to see him at Hammersmith Odeon, and um, she went backstage beforehand and said, oh, yeah, you know, come back and, you know, come back and say hello to Bob. I'm sure he'd love to meet you. And the whole gig was all I could think of in the gig the whole rest of the evening was me meeting Bob Dylan saying hello Bob I really like your records <laughs> I'm not going to do that so I fled I literally fled he's heard that every day yeah. for, yeah, for since 19 what, I'm sure 62. he's a huge fan of yours though well the, 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 the lovely lovely thing is that he did men- I did get mentioned in his uh, in his autobiography yes yes uh, where he talks about him uh, Woody sending him to the house to find the lyrics that we subsequently used on Mermaid Avenue oh so yeah and it's a lovely little bit he just he just talks about going to the house and uh, Marjorie Woody's wife isn't there and he ends up with a babysitter and Arlo and the babysitter is really worried that she, Marjorie will come home and find this tramp in the house who smells mm-hmm. and is covered in mud because he's been been through some swamp so she physically throws him out and he never he never does go back and he says you know years later Billy Bragg and Wilco breathed real life into these lyrics so that you know that in rock and roll terms, that's the equivalent of a knighthood. That's really, really, that is it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, You're absolutely. Sir, Sir Billy Bragg were, yeah, by, people, by Bob Dylan. People were ringing me up for like a month. I've just read that. I, 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 I'm very proud. But, but that, you know, that was really lovely. And, and I don't, you know, if Dylan had got his hands on 3,000 Woody Guthrie lyrics in 1963, we wouldn't have Highway 61 revisited. He'd exactly. Been, you know, he didn't, it's just as well. It was well, he needed to pass it was futu- after yeah. that. But how incredible that he hitchhikes from... Minneapolis mm. to New York with the idea that I'm going to go out and meet Woody Guthrie yeah. mm-hmm. and then he's hanging out with Woody Guthrie yeah well that's it I mean the, the, the thing for Dylan is he's, he too is looking for the source he too is trying to work out where this all comes from what's real what's out there you know what's, what's beyond the ephemeral sort of shiny pop music of the day there's something out there with real meaning and he detects it in Woody yes you know or other people detect it in other places but that urge to find something real mm-hmm. and meaningful is what record shops are for yes because he would have heard he would have heard Woody's records he wouldn't have heard them on the radio he'd have been to his local record store and he'd have probably got a copy of the Dust Bowl Ballads or something like that and, and locked into it that way yeah. so you know that's the that's the 
for me, is the key thing. You know, the, my first encounter. Dylan wasn't on the radio when I got onto him. He wasn't touring. I was 14, been 72. He was kind of in his one of his lost periods, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, you know, everyone knew his name, but there was no one around. There was no presence in the charts or anything. If I'd have relied on mainstream culture, I'd have been stuck with Rod Stewart doing cover versions of Tomorrow's a Long Time, you know. So, <clears throat> in the end... It, Record stores really help in that process of discovery. Well, at least, it, you know, they're not catering to you the way the Internet is. If they see that you search something, mm. then everything framing whatever you're looking at is, is kind of just couched in all the things that you may be interested in buying. Yeah. So there, there's something about the Internet where they do watch your um, purchasing habits and they don't challenge yeah. you. They're yeah. like, people don't want to be challenged. They want to get stuff that's kind of like what they would like. Well, the thing to do that I logged on to uh, my uh, my. Uh, in the service provider as a uh, uh, a 14-year-old Mongolian transsexual. Oh. So all the adverts I get are aimed at a 14-year-old Mongolian transsexual. So I got some amazing adverts. <laughs> a lot of sheep I, skin. Oh, it's really great. Let's <laughs> talk about horses sheep. and ponies. <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. Very very tight clothes. Yeah. So uh, you have to do that. Otherwise, you just get the all the middle-aged things that middle-aged men get, which is um, basically um, middle-aged women looking for a shag, which is a bit. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you don't, you know, we don't need that. Yeah. Or Christians looking for love. Yeah. Like, what, what have I done? What can I possibly done on the internet to give anyone? <laughs> yeah. You know, how did you get? Yeah. It's so the strange. There. If, it, if, if it really, it, sh- it should be sort of, you know, if it was based on what I, you know, it's, it's based on what I search on the internet. It should have been sort of four-legged farm animals, really looking mm-hmm. for love. You know, that would have been mm-hmm. a lot more. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I buy a lot of Wellington boots. <laughs> oh, see, though, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. See, see that, how the connection? Perfect. See how it works? Yeah. It's an internet meme. I understand. Yeah. I totally get it. Mm. I love it, though. I love that we're going to do this thing where it's like getting to like vinyl and getting to um, really looking for what you want because that we used to really look for music. Mm. We used yeah. to look for books and yeah. look for art. Discovery. Discovery. Instead of having it thrown at you. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the internet all the time is trying to get you to bite their hook. Right. Whereas, you know, that's what's great about folk music. I mean, folk music, whatever you want to define as folk music, is never goes away. It's always there, but it's always generally over the, the event horizon. It carries mm-hmm. on. It's not ubiquitous folk music like pop music or R&B or other types of music. It's, it's there if you go out there and find it. And if you do go out there and find it yourself, that sense of discovery, that sense of this is me, that mm-hmm. identifier, this is the band that I'm into, uh, it, it's that's quite a powerful way of, of to like you know constructing your own identity, particularly if you're a teenager. Yeah, yeah. Well, everybody too now. It's like they they try these. Well, com- doing commercials, it's mm. it's nothing now. It no. doesn't mean. I re- you remember when um, they used Revolution in a yeah. Nike commercial, yeah. and it was almost almost started yeah. a revolution. Yeah. Like you can't take this song by the Beatles yeah. mm-hmm. and put it for, for sneakers mm-hmm. and now it's like people are almost pitching themselves to oh, yeah. it's sure. become pa- but even like you know like the like the like the rock band video game yeah. thing tie-ins it's yeah. like really part of it you know well I mean have you have you ever been approached for like Billy Bragg rock band or something no I don't think I play I don't shred enough I don't think I'm not <laughs> that kind of guitar player I'd have that I, I mean I'd buy it I'd buy I'm, that one yeah, yeah you wouldn't learn much would you um, I had that conversation with my son when he was first learning guitar and uh, he asked me, I think he, we heard um, in my car, Another Girl, Another Planet by The Only Ones, mm-hmm. which is a great song. It's only four. He said, could I play that, Dad? I said, yeah, you can play that. I'll show it you. So I showed him how to play it. And he said, uh, show me the lead part now. And I'm like, uh, I don't know how to play it, Jack. He said, what do you mean? 
you're a guitar player. I said, yeah, well, I'm not that sort of guitar player, am I? He said, well, what sort of guitar player are you then, Dad? So I said, well, he's a big fan of the Ramones. My son. I said, do you ever hear Johnny Ramone play any lead? Do you ever hear Joe Strummer play lead guitar? He said, no, no. I said, well, I'm that kind of guitar player. Yeah. yeah that's what I do. I'm a rhythm. I'm basically a rhythm guitar player. When I was in a little punk band, mm-hmm. you only really heard what I was doing if I stopped doing it. Mm. There was a hole. Yeah. And when I started doing it again, it was just in there. You know, that's what I did. <laughs> I just plug it along. So But the rhythm's everything. It is. It's everything. But it you're is. so great. Yeah. You are so great. You, well, rhythm, you've got your own style. Yeah. You know when you're listening exactly. to Billy Bragg. Yeah. I mean, it's a very old blues thing. I mean, you know, if you, if you listen, um, the dynamics of someone like John Lee Hooker when he's playing solo, you know, he's used, basically using the guitar as a percussion instrument. And that's what I do. The guitar is a percussion instrument and the melody's in my voice. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the way downstairs I was playing I Keep Faith, I was hardly playing it. I was just pl- pitting it, hitting the strings, you know. Not, I wasn't a, a melodic wire playing. Mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, try to do the melody with my voice, and it works. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Well, they, it. it's 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 like there's so many um, like even in Saturday Boy that I actually I can play a little bit, wow. but I get to the point of da 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 da. It's really fast. Yeah, yeah, it is. I have that trouble. Someone shouted, was shouting for that in Ireland <laughs> on Saturday night, and it's one of those songs I hadn't played for a while because I'm out with the band. And I thought, I'm just going to start this. Who cares how it ends? I'm sure I'll remember. Unfortunately, I did remember how it ended. <laughs> do, you, do you ever forget sometimes? Yeah. Like, I, I, the very first yeah, time yeah, I yeah. saw you was in San Francisco at the Fillmore in 96. Yeah. And it was solo shows, you and Robin Hitchcock. Oh, you yeah, both, yeah, no band, so but yep, just yep. he opened up. Yep. And I think you, somebody was, you were trying to do a song or somebody requested a song and then you made a joke about how hard it was to, to remember. Yeah. And I think you even said, how does Weller remember his songs yeah. or something like that? Well, I mean, uh, my usual response these days is, look, mate, it's all right for you. You don't have to remember the title. <laughs> I've got to remember the words, the chord, <laughs> the key, the, the dumbass five-minute rap. Give me a break. I'm 55. Come on. There's a lot of songs in my back catalogue. I can't always remember. But, you, you know, if it's something like the Saturday Boy, the chances are, it's usually the lyrics I forget. The chances are someone in the front row is going to be singing them anyway. Right. So oh, for up, sure. You know, I can pick them up. Fortunately, no one, no one thinks of Billy Bragg and the word slick. So if I if everything collapses and I have to stop and start, nobody really minds. Well, that that adds to the to the wonderful performance because no, it's like about yeah, that. I I don't come here to get yeah no. the absolute. Well, that's why I like about some of the Dylan stuff. And yeah. I mean, there's there's vocal flubs yeah. on Blonde on Blonde. Yeah. He fucks up yeah, the yeah, lyrics yeah, in a couple of songs, yeah. and he and and somebody could have said, "Do you want to do that again?" Uh, nah, that's all right. Performance, it's all right. yeah. <laughs> you got to love that, haven't you? You know. But the thing is that really gets me is when you you totally mess it up. And you think to yourself, God, that was so lame. And people say afterwards, you done it on purpose, didn't you? That was brilliant. I love it when you do that. <laughs> I'm like, no, mate. I really forgot the words to Between the Wars. It happens. You know, it's a song. It's got words. I haven't played it for six months. It doesn't always come back exactly, you know. How, how was that? No, I followed along your Facebook uh, posts on the tour back with the band. Oh, yeah. When you got to Calgary, mm. you had a great post about I don't know if you even remember what you wrote uh, yeah. when you got there about how you finally got a lie in yeah I didn't get a lie in uh, but you didn't get a lie no, in no I was hoping to get a lie in and, uh, and not only that I was going to have a, a day um, the album had just gone into the Americana charts 
Mm. Which was in, and that's a new thing for me. I love it. That's yeah, great. I was really pleased about that. And Calgary is in Alberta is like the Texas of the North. Yeah. Yeah. If I just you want to buy there. cowboy shirts? Yeah. There's, there's three or four great shops there. You can get them in. All downtown. Yeah. Well, you know they have the Stampede there yeah. every year, yeah. which it's I like, actually went to a few years ago. It's ideal for that, you know. So I thought I'll get I'll have a lie in tomorrow. I haven't got to be at the soundcheck before. We got in the night before. We've driven in from uh, a place called Nelson in British Columbia. Oh, it's a beautiful place. Beautiful. beautiful. Really. A lot of weed there. So much weed there. It should be called Willie Nelson. Well. Yeah. You're absolutely right, because I kept meeting all these farmers. Everyone seemed to be a farmer. I'm a farmer. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. There's no flat fields here. All mm-hmm. these farmers. And farmers with dreadlocks as well. That's great. That's great. That's really great. Um, but we managed to get out of there. And we get to Calgary. And I'm like, uh, I checked out where the coffee shop was. Because in Canada, you have to, to get free Wi-Fi, you have to go in coffee shops, basically. Which is great mm-hmm. for me, because I love coffee. So, so I, go, I get up early. And also, it snowed, which didn't help. So I managed to get to the coffee shop, and I'm not really awake, and I switch on the, my uh, phone and get online, and all these emails come in my inbox. And the top one is from the office, and it says, what are we going to do about Margaret Thatcher? And I'm like, what is that? She wants to be on the guest list or something? <laughs> so I open, I open up the mail, and it says, Margaret Thatcher's dead. Mm. And now I'm at the front of the queue, and I look at the woman, it's that, you know, the young girl behind the counter, and I say to her, Margaret Thatcher's dead. She says, Margaret Thatcher's alive. I'm like, you know, <laughs> just being Canadian, you know. Yes. She's sort of like, but I was like totally flipped by this. So I sort of sat down and realized also another thing, you know, Cal- uh, Calgary is seven hours behind London. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if I don't post something, people are going to think oh, I'm dead as well. So I sat down and just wrote a little post. You yeah. know, I'm in Calgary. I'm out looking for Pearl Snap shirts. It's snowed. I've got coffee. And Margaret Thatcher's dead. Just mm. posted it and left. I, you know, I'll post something more thoughtful later when I've had a chance. Left it at that. That night on the Calgary Herald website, they had a headline: "Billy Bragg reflects on the death of Margaret Thatcher while shopping for pearl snap shirts in Calgary." <laughs> oh, oh shit! Oh. For you, but the uh, apparently in the new media, an angle is everything. Apparently, it is. So that, you know, that was sort of. Well, you, you wrote a funny thing too about how you were going to finally have a lie in, and then because of Margaret Thatcher. Even in death. Yeah, she messed up my day. She totally <laughs> messed up my day, the woman. And then the next thing is, I'm, I'm sort of like trying to get my head around it and my phone rings and it's ABC want to talk to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, come okay, on. Right. So yeah, right, I'll be there, yeah. My phone rings again, BBC. <laughs> okay, yeah. And of course, I'm in Canada. So next thing is CBC. CBC, yes. this off before DBC, EBC, <laughs> FBC. What am I going to do now? Because oh, you become, if you're political, you, you, you do become kind of somebody that they need to figure out what to say about something. And news is kind of just much yeah. of a commodity as anything it else. Is, and is. they need to fill their coffers yeah, they, well, and also with information. They, you know, they're trying to reflect, the, I suppose, the other side of the arguments from the 1980s. And as I happen to be in town. Well, and you're the voice of a generation. And there's a lot. There, there, people think about you not just as... It's not, you're not just an artist, but you really are an idea of freedom. But also, um, I think in America, certainly, and in Canada to some extent as well, you have a completely different perspective, or the mainstream media has a completely different perspective on Thatcher. They thought she was great. You know, that's the mm-hmm. next thing. You have to watch all these news programs saying how wonderful Margaret Thatcher was. Mm-hmm. And so I started, you know, obviously I, I couldn't be touring in Canada and America and not make some reference to that. I wasn't, didn't want to dwell on it. Even on the day, I, mm-hmm. I think I played Between the Wars mm-hmm. um, and left it at that. Um, because I didn't want it to overshadow all the other stuff I was doing. But I did just point out, for those of you who've been watching the media about 
Thatcher, to think about her demise in, in political terms, what happened to her. Mm-hmm. You know, she wasn't thrown out of office by the British people. She was stabbed in the back by her own party, her own colleagues in, in cabinet. The same men who sat there looking sorrowful in the, in the abbey in her funeral were the people who, who, who threw her out because they right. came to the same conclusion as the rest of us. Eventually, they, even they realised that she was the most divisive Prime Minister we've ever had. Yeah. She wasn't great. She was so great. Why did they throw her out? So I just wanted to put that out there, you know, because I, think, I don't expect people coming to Billy Bragg Geeks necessarily to be reading English newspapers or getting that perspective or anything. Uh, so, yeah, it did... Uh, the funny thing, the Pearl Snap shirt shop, it was two young women from Essex in there, so we had a right old... Right. <laughs> How amazing you would go there. But it, it, Canada's, all, you know, it's all English always, people. Yeah. Well, Canada's always been really supportive of me because if you think about it, our politics are a lot similar. UK and Canada and US and UK, you know. Mm-hmm. They, they do have left-wing parties there. They have a party called the NDP who are left to centre in a way that Democrats are not so left to centre here in the US. So they've all always connected a lot stronger with the sort of things that I've been doing over there. Yeah, well, everybody loves you all over the world. And you're leaving from here, you're going to Australia? Yeah. A tour Australia. again. And then, Always. Yeah, well, you're going to be on tour in the US. So we'll, yeah. yeah, basically what's happening, I'm, I'm, I'm going to Australia. I'm not actually touring in Australia till March. It's the last part of the uh, Tooth and Nail tour. But they really wanted me to come over and uh, do a bit of promo for the That's record. That's great. So I said, well, look, I'm going out to... to uh, do the Joe Guitar Doors thing with Wayne Kramer. It's kind of like LA is kind of halfway to Australia. Oh, well, it's perfect, we, yeah. Yeah, it is good because normally flying to Australia from our house, that's a long it's far. old trip. It's but like one, of, the, one yeah. of them going to Mars type yeah. of journeys. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a long old way. You spend a lot of time flying over Cooper PD uh, to eventually <laughs> get to, to, to Eastern Australia. But um, if, you, if you come the other way, we, normally we go the, the Asia route through Singapore. But if you come the other way, it stops in it's LA and then, right. and then Australia. So a couple of days in LA, sleeping in a proper bed. Yeah, we're lucky. We're lucky to have you. And then where can people find out what you're doing? So you can be, we tweeted you. Ooh, where's, your, where's your Twitter? Where's my Twitter? My Twitter is, uh, it's, uh, I'm Billy Bragg on Twitter with mm-hmm. a little, little blue tick. So at, you know at it's Billy Bragg, you're, you're verified. verified. I am. I'm verified, honey. You're verified. I'm verified. And then people can find you on um, line on your website too. www.billybragg.co.uk and Facebook. And yes, there's two Billy Bragg Facebook pages. There's the Five Thousand Friends page, and then there's the Fan Band page, which is where I actually talk, you know, post stuff <laughs> and keep up with things. And that's. Uh, Billy Bragg Facebook official, I think it's called. I love it. Yeah. I mean, because I want to stay here and talk to you, but now I have to go Margaret talk to, to go. Lance Bass. Don't wow. mean to. Complete opposite. Are you going to let him have a good look at your knees? Or yeah, I don't. I don't them, know if he wants a good. Them, <laughs> we call them Abe and Abe and, and George. Abe and George. George Abe but um, George yeah, he just got engaged to be married, so I have Why to go. He's doing a he's doing a radio show. He got engaged to his fiance. Um, but he, uh, yeah, it's very, you know, he's gay, and so it's very sort of a big thing. They're, they're going to get married in New Orleans, and oh, how lovely. But it's it's lovely. But I, I want to stay here. Do you want to close it out, or do you want to? No, I'll just quick, quick close it out. Let me. Well, first off, Foki One Kenobi. Yeah, it's he's, still there, man. He's, you coined he's our man. Me. You coined that. Your only hope, Foki One Kenobi. Yep. yep and the, the only the, the only question I have uh, uh, is, uh, are you looking forward to the return of Downton Abbey? We <laughs> joked about, have you ever watched a downtown? Because I figure for you, it'd be like watching a horror movie where you'd be shouting at the screen like, bloody, you don't have to put up with that treatment, brothers no, and sisters. Sadly. Your I, time is coming. No, I don't watch <laughs> Downton Abbey. But um, it is, uh, you know, we, what we watch on the bus is uh, uh, Breaking Bad. Oh, okay. 
That's what we That's watch. That's great. There you go. That'd be yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. And, um, it's very, very popular in the UK. Mm. And in some ways, it's the same as Downton Abbey. Mm. In the sense that when you look at Downton Abbey here, for, here in America, you think that's how we live in England, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when we watch Breaking Bad, <laughs> we think that's how you all live in America. Actually, I, we, had, we had it on so much in the bus that I eventually couldn't watch it anymore because it seemed to me to be a trenchant critique of the uh, abject failings of a private medical system here in the United States of America. Because if that happened to, to that guy in the UK, he would have got treated within three months. He would never have had to make crystal meth. He would have right. treated for free mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the UK. Been, that's, that's true. So, Harold, get out of the lab. We're going right. to go down to the hospital. Exactly. We've got to go down the hospital and get you sorted out. So, I, no, you know, love, I think I'm going to make meth. That's, yeah, you wouldn't need <laughs> to I'm going to make that. some really good no, meth in here, love. You wouldn't need to do that. In, they would in go the to the UK. hospital and then down the pub. Yeah, that's right. They'd go down the pub. Maybe you'd make home brew. Maybe that would be something different. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's breaking brad, breaking, breaking bad in the UK. Breaking brag, breaking bad in the UK. Breaking yeah. brag. Yeah. There we go. He just yeah. he's just got a good home brew. That's right. He makes some home brew. My nan used to make wine out of everything, including tea bags, and it was the oh. most kick-ass wine. It's the most amazing. That alcoholic. sounds good. It that was sounds really, really good. Good. And she would give me bottles of this stuff, and I'd take it back when I was living with the band in East Northamptonshire. I'd come back clinking with bottles from my nan. Oh. And it was just uh, sickly sweet, but blow your socks off. Wow. That's really great. It's probably illegal, but uh, it was like a like a moonshine. Yeah, except mm. it was tea bag shine. <laughs> it sounds delicious. Mm. We should have some. We should go have some. But thank you so Everybody much, Billy Bragg. Tea bag. We love you. We we th- we Especially thank you so much baggers. for yeah. <laughs> tea parties. Yeah. <laughs> so tea party. Go tea, go see, tea bag the tea party. In my country, tea bagging means something else. I'm afraid. Yes. I know it really does. We want to take mm. back that meaning. It means uh, it means getting your tea bag and squeezing it to get the most flavour that you can out of it. Does it mean something else here? Yeah. Okay. Pretty much Some, the same. Well, it means yeah. a couple different <laughs> things, but that's one of, the, one of the wonderful things about England that's better than here. No country for old ball bags. That's what we say. <laughs> well, thank you, Billy Bragg. Um, you can listen to us on Mondays and Thursdays on uh, SoundCloud, and we are on iTunes. You can subscribe. Where, where can they tweet me, Margaret Cho? Do- no, no, at, at, at Margaret Cho. Cho. That's my Twitter. What's your Twitter? At Jimmy Shelter. You can tweet both of us at Monsters of Talk. You can tweet Billy Bragg at Billy Bragg and um, we love our listeners yeah if you're ever walking on the south coast path it goes right out in front of my house pop in I'll give you a tea bag that's what we need that's the greatest offer ever <laughs> thank you we'll thank talk you. to you next time thank we you. have such fun though